If you have your Bibles, join me, if you will, in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. I have a word from the Lord today to deliver to you. Hallelujah. I am going to be reading from the New Living Translation, so depending upon what translation you hold in your hand, it may sound slightly different. First Peter 1 verse 6, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Verse 8, you love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting Him will be the salvation of your souls. And for just a few moments, I want to preach to you this word, the trial of your faith. Lord Jesus, this is your church, not mine. You and your word alone can save us, deliver us, heal us, help us, strengthen us. You know every need and struggle and issue and circumstance. Your word is anointed and appointed for this moment. So now, on the authority of your word and your name and your blood, I bind every spirit that would want to hinder and loose your Holy Spirit to operate the way you want to. For without you, I am nothing. Let there be a demonstration of your spirit and your power. Confirm your words with signs following. Let me walk in your spirit and not in my flesh. And I thank you for letting me serve and minister your word to your church in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Peter refers to suffering in four of the five chapters of his first epistle. What we just read in verses 6 and 7, chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, chapter 4, verses 12 through 19, and chapter 5, verse 9. Every born-again believer who allows God's light to shine through them will experience trials that will test your resolve. But those fiery trials will refine us if we don't lose hope or faith in God. When the devil tempts us, we've got to remember that his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But we must also remember that God is the refiner who allows trials to purify us. So I have a word for you at the very outset. Don't let the trial define you. Let it refine you. 
Don't let the devil distract you from your purpose. Don't give him any more credit than he already has. At the end of it all, Satan can only do and say what God allows him to do. And I've come to tell you, he's on a short leash. And if you don't believe that, just ask Job. Hmm. Hear me. It will get easier once you understand that there is a purpose to your suffering. Easier doesn't necessarily mean less painful or more comfortable. But it does mean your position is more tolerable. Think of it this way. You're driving your car at night and there's a thick fog that has encompassed you and possibly confused your sense of direction. After what seems like hours of driving with both hands on the wheel and, and, and say every safety precaution and every fight or flight risk in you doing everything you can to drive as defensively and carefully as possible, you come to an area where the fog has lifted and the driving becomes more tolerable, correct? It's still dark. Mm. Somebody needs to hear that. It's still dark, but, but it's now vital that you're focusing on driving, and that becomes easier now. You see, it's the same with the trial. The thick fog comes around us, the trial. And we, we put both hands on the wheel and we slow down and we make sure our lights are working good and we maybe put our flashers on and, and we're, we're observing everything and we're, we're being as careful as possible, not understanding why the fog has come. But hear me, if we'll let the trial refine us and not define us, we'll understand its purpose. Because the fog will lift. The trial will end. And you'll be able to know that you had the strength to persevere. Hallelujah. You had the tenacity to keep trusting in God. Even though you couldn't feel him or touch him or, or see him. Like Job, you were saying, I, I can't see him on the right. And, and I can't see him on the left. And I don't know where he is in front or behind. But I know that he knows the way that I take. Mm. And so Peter talks about trials. And I want to tell you that in verses 6 and 7, I'm going to read it from the King James this time. He mentions a very key word that we, we will miss if we're not careful. Let me read it. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a... Come on, somebody say it. Though now for a... Your trial ain't going to last always. It's... Mm, the snow came Thursday morning. Hallelujah. We had to plow and shovel. Come on, somebody. But it's 40 degrees today and it's melting. The season came, but the season ended. Yes, the trial comes, but it's a season. Now let's keep reading. If need be, you are in... So the first point I want to make to you is sometimes you have a seasonal heaviness with the trial. And by the way, they're manifold. That means a lot. I wish that verse wasn't there. <laughs> but it is. But notice why it's there. That the trial of your faith, 
being much more precious of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You know, when I read that, I can hear the psalmist saying, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Sometimes you got to make up your own organ. Come on, somebody. I know it's hard. I know it's tough. I know it looks bleak, but I also know God never fails. I also know God never forsakes. I also know God never lies. I also know God is in trouble with me. He's my strength when I'm weak. He's my help when I'm lost. Come on, somebody. He is harmless, and he'll never leave me or abandon me. Hallelujah. Somebody say trouble don't last always. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Oh, look what they do. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. I've come to tell you, if you're in the trial of your faith right now, we're not here to to grade how big of a trial or small compared to somebody else's trial. If you feel you're in the trial of your faith right now, I've come to tell you it's a seasonal heaviness, but the weight of glory is far heavier. Woo! So look what he says here. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. Well, somebody say glory. For the things we see now will be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Let me just say this real quickly. Neither God, nor his word, nor me are invalidating your pain right now. If you're in the trial of your life, I'm sorry. I really am. I I mean that wholeheartedly. I'll weep with you if you weep. I'll bear it with you as much as I can. I'll, I'll offer you a listening ear, a helping hand, whatever you need. I'm not invalidating your pain. But what I'm telling you to do is recognize that it's a seasonal heaviness. But there's an eternal weight of glory that's far better. You see, when you contrast the trials and temptations of verses 6 and 7 with the unspeakable joy in verse 8 and and the salvation of your souls in verse 9, then the trial of your faith becomes more tolerable and bearable. But how do we do that? We do it by changing the way we look. You see, I've got two pairs of glasses here today. And if I put on these pair, this this is going to represent the temporal All of you look pink. Everything in the room is pink right now. Y'all are pink and pretty. But this represents, thank you. This represents the the natural, the temporal, the the trial, the the heaviness. I'm carrying it. I'm burdened with it because that's how I'm looking at it. But what this is saying is, wait a minute, to change the lens. Oh, now y'all look green. When I begin to look at the things that can't be seen, when I change the lens from a temporal to an eternal, it begins to look a little bit different. Mm. Wait a minute. The trial's not over yet. 
I'm still in it. I'm just looking at it differently. Instead of using this lens, I'm using this lens. Come on, somebody. I'm still walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but I know I'm not walking alone. Why? Because I've changed the way that I'm looking at it. Hey! Lord, have mercy. Thank you, Jesus. That the trial of our faith produces greater value than the gold that perishes is hard for us to imagine. I mean, I wouldn't mind having a few bars of gold. <laughs> right? I mean, can you imagine if you went home today and Amazon has delivered to your door? You go to pick it up, you're like, boy, this is heavy. You walk in and you open it up. And there's an official letter from the U.S. Mint. God bless you. Here's two, you know, two-ton bar of gold or something. Can you imagine? I'd be like, glory! <laughs> yeah, the church is paid off. Yeah. Hallelujah. And we're all going on a cruise. Glory. <laughs> Amen. But, but wait a minute. Hold on. Watch this. Watch this. That bar of gold is going to perish compared to the eternal weight of glory. And so what, what, what Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying is, take off the temporal glasses for a minute. Put on the eternal ones and say, oh, I can't quite see it. It's just beyond my reach. But I'm pressing, like Paul said, for the mark of that prize. Mm. What it's saying is, if you'll endure to the end then the result of the trial of your faith is that it is far more valuable than gold. Now, Peter should know because when he took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the storm, what happened? He sank. When he saw the waves and the wind boisterous, he sank. As long as he had his eyes on Jesus, he was walking on water. If you read about when he denied Jesus, and yes, it was prophesied, but there's another reason why besides the prophecy. The Bible says he followed Jesus afar off. The further you get from Jesus, the easier it is to deny him. Hello. That's why, it's, that's why you better be as close to him as possible. So Peter should know about using the proper lens. You see, he denied him because he had the wrong lens on. He denied him because he was looking through temporal lens. They're going to kill me too. Oh, no. And he put on temporal lenses. Mm. How many of you ever heard of a guy named Job? In the Bible, right? It's in the Bible. It's not, it's not Job, it's Job. It's funny when, when Siri tries to, you know, I say, Siri, open up Job 42. And she's like, opening Job 42. I'm like, not Job, honey. Job, Job, Job. You got to have the right O sound. Anyway, Job, right? How long do you think his suffering lasted? Anybody got a guess? No Bible scholars. Seven years? That's a good guess. Anybody else? Ten years? Anybody else? One year? Anybody else? Thirty-three years? Anybody else? Going once, twice, sold. It lasted six months. Six months. Wait a minute. Here's what's cool. Read in Job 42 that after God restored unto him his double portion 
he lived another 140 years before he died. So even in the temporal, his, I don't know how old he was when he went in the trial. Let's just guess he was 60, you know, for easy figuring. 60, he goes into a six-month trial, but the other 199 and a half years are pretty good. Even that we can understand in comparison. But Job in Job 19.25 said this, I know my Redeemer lives, and at the end, he shall stand upon the earth. In other words, Job just wasn't looking at the end of that six-month trial. He was looking all the way to the end when Jesus comes back. I don't know when I'm getting out of this trial, but I know which lens I'm going to put on. I know how I'm going to look at the trial. I know my Redeemer lives. My Lord, have mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Isn't he wonderful? Verse 8, 2 Peter 1, verse 8. Whom having not seen, you love. And whom though you now see him, not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Even though you've never seen him, you love him. Even though you've never saw him, you trust him. You believe he's real. Why? Because you've, it's not just blind faith. You've experienced forgiveness. Is there anybody here that used to carry a weight of sin around? Is there anybody here that had some iniquity that God forgave? Come on. Those much sins that she had. Anybody been forgiven? Anybody been touched? Anybody been saved, healed, delivered? You have a hope that doesn't disappoint. So therefore you have unspeakable joy and full of glory. Even in the trial because you're looking with the right lens. I'm not going to put on the temporal lens. I'm going to keep the eternal lens on. I'm going to see things the way God wants me to see them. Hallelujah. You see, it's not just a temporal happiness that fluctuates, but rather, it's a joy that's based in Christ that cannot change. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. And then verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. As I've mentioned and taught and preached last week, that's glorification. Remember over here was justification, in the middle was sanctification, and the piano was, was glorification. That's what it's talking about there, the end of your faith, when you get to the end. See, while I'm in sanctification, walking right now, I'm still in a trouble, but I've got my eyes on where I'm going. I'm thinking where he brought me from. I'm not putting on temporal glasses and getting caught up down here in what's going on. I'm taking them off saying, God, I'm going to keep my eyes focused on the end of my faith knowing that when you come back it's all going to make sense hallelujah listen to what 1 Corinthians 15 verse 50 says now this I say brothers flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God neither does corruption inherit incorruption behold I show you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised watch this the proper lens, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 
Come on, put the right lens on. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. Amen. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is. You're still in the trial of your faith, but you got the right lens on. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's hard. It's heavy. It struggles sometimes. I trip and fall sometimes, but I'm getting back up because I got the right lens on, because I'm going somewhere hallelujah Bible tells us not to love the world 1 John 2 15 neither the things in the world the man love the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh lust of the eyes pride of life is not of the father but is of the world watch this and the world passes away and the lust thereof but he has got the right lens on. He that does the will of the Father abides forever. I got the right lens on. I'm going to look at my situation properly. I know it's tough on this earth sometimes. I get it. I know we grieve and feel pain on this earth. I get it. I'm not invalidating that. I'm not telling you to just leave here and, you know, Think differently and woohoo, you know, and just, you know, my mind it away. No, what I'm telling you is look at it through the right lens. Look at it through how Scripture looks at it. We will suffer sometimes for the sake of the gospel. But watch this. When I put on the right lens and I endure the trial, James 1.12 tells me that I will receive a crown of life. That is promised to them that love him. The Bible says Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. He said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. But what about us? I fear that if we put on the wrong lens and we look at our situation on this road from our justification to sanctification, if we put on the wrong lens, We'll take our eyes off of the prize and it'll put it on the problem. And before you know it, we will have forsaken him. In my years of pastoring, I've seen many people walk away from God. And many of them, if not all of them, is because they had the wrong lens on. So, sadly, many quit attending church when things go wrong. But you know, when facing difficult times, I need the church. Let me just say something. For those of you that have been hurt in or by people in the church, we often say you've experienced church hurt. But I think we need to change that, that language. Because the church, as it is supposed to be, God's bride, 
will never hurt you. People in that church may. And I'm not, I'm please, I'm not invalidating what has happened. Some of you have stood in this very pulpit and have testified of hurt that you've experienced in the church, in the bride of Christ. I get that. But as it's supposed to be, are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm slowing down a little bit because I want you to get this. As the church is supposed to be loving and forgiving and merciful. That, does that make sense? And so maybe adjusting the lens a little bit and saying, okay, you know what? I've been hurt by people in the church, but God's church, his bride, won't hurt me. See, the Bible tells us that those endure that remain steadfast are blessed. Job maintained his integrity and didn't blame God for what he went through. It was tough. It was hard. God rebuked his friends, if I can say the church, those people in it that should have been loving him. But notice when God turned Job's captivity, when he prayed for his friends. And I find that unique, that even though they hadn't been friendly, God called them Job's friends. You know what I see in that? I see forgiveness. I see mercy. Despite the hurt. So God's purpose is fulfilled in your life when you remain steadfast. Why? Because those around you see what it means to be a fruit-bearing believer when you endure. Those close to you who know what you've been through, who know what you're facing, and they see you genuinely persevering, it gives them courage to face their own trial of their faith. I can look around this room and see people like Sal and Linda and Brother Keith and Chris and Kareen and James and Karen. I can, I can look around and name a bunch of you today who have been through some things, who have walked through some things, who, who've had to take off the temporal and put on the eternal glasses and, and look at things differently and, and trudge through the mess of hurt and disappointment and struggle and pain and you're still here and you're still worshiping and you're still praying and even for this pastor, I can look at that and say, if they can do it, if she can do it I can do it and I know if it affects me that way I know there's some young people I know there's some children I know there's some others looking around saying if they can make it if they can survive it if they can persevere and so we can lay aside the way you see it's not always sin sometimes it's weight It's a heaviness that we carry. It's hard. Pastor, I'm here. I'm carrying this weight. But the Bible says lay aside every weight and the sin. There it is. Just like that. Carry that heavy weight down and say I'm not picking it up. I'm leaving it at an altar today. I'm putting it where it belongs today. I'm going to look at it through the lens, the proper lens today. I'm going to lay aside the weight. Why? So that I can run with endurance the race that is set before. It doesn't mean it's a sprint. It's a marathon. I'm in this for the long haul. I'm laying aside the weight so that I can endure, so that I can persevere. Ha! 
And just as Brother Keith has walked down and laid it, by the way, this is a heavy bag. There's a couple big books in here. And some of us today, that's what we're doing. We're carrying this weight. It's hard to praise God with that weight on. You're here, but you're carrying it. You know what I want you to do today? Just like Brother Keith, I want you to come down and take the weight off. I'm not going to carry it anymore. I would that God some people would begin to get up off their feet right now and take off that weight. I would to God some people would say, I'm not carrying it anymore. Come on, there's some more men coming. There's some more of you that need to come and say, today is the day. I'm withholding nothing. I'm taking it all. I'm giving it all. We often do a little another song with that called I Give Myself Away. And, and part of that song is, is because I want him to use me. But maybe giving ourselves away is giving away the pain. Giving away the hurt. I'm going to let you deal with it. I want vengeance. I want this, but I'm going to lay it aside. There was a wait one day. Stephen could have put a weight on one day. He could have carried a weight while they stoned him. But you know what he did? He laid it aside. He said, lay not this sin to their charge. I ain't going to carry the weight of bitterness to my grave. I'm not going to carry the weight of pain. I'm going to lay it aside. I'm going to put it on an altar where it belongs. His shoulders, God's, His shoulders are far stronger and bigger than ours. So why don't you let Him take the weight today? I know you're in the trial of your faith. And it hurts this pastor's heart sometimes to look out and see people carrying weights. Elder James, I wish sometimes I could carry it for him. I wish I had some sort of magic wand to wave, take it away from him. But I also know that if we'll do what the scripture says and just lay it aside ourselves, you'll feel free. I'm not saying the problem will be over. You might still face it at lunch this afternoon. But you'll feel free. You'll have on the right glasses. You'll be looking at it from a different lens. Is there anybody else that'll say, I'm not going to hold back withholding nothing. I'm giving it all to you. I surrender it all to you. All. Not some. I'm not going to take a couple things out of the bag and keep them with me. I'm going to leave it all in. Leave it all on the altar today.